Are you looking for a practice coach? If you are, go to ptpracticesuccess.com. At the very top of the page, there's a button. Just click on that to find out more. Welcome to the PT Practice Success Podcast. My name is Sean Kirk, CEO of PT Practice Success. In this podcast, we're going to be going over a variety of different things that can help you with your practice. I hope you enjoy what's coming. Hey, welcome to this podcast. Hey, I'd like to go over a variety of different things with you here today, but what I'd really like to dig in on is to, I hate to be this way, but just to tell you my story. Uh, I've been a private practice uh, consultant for over 20 years. I've been in over, I don't know, closing in on 300 private practices and spending three or four days at a time in those facilities working with the owner and key staff. I've seen a lot of things, but I didn't start out very competently. Matter of fact, in high school, I graduated in the lower half of my high school class. I really just wanted to be a comedian. That's really all I ever wanted. I used to tell jokes to people during class and make them crack up. And it was, um, I just had this need to get attention. And so, you know, I had a seventh grade teacher. She says, you know, Mr. Kirk, I need to speak to you after class. So the whole day when she said that, I thought, you know, I wonder what she's going to kind of hammer me for at the end of the day. So at the end of the class, I walked up to her and said, yes, Mrs. Erdis, what's what's up? And she says, look, I'm going to make a deal with you, Sean. I'm going to let you tell a joke every single day. And it's got to be clean. You have to start the joke right after the bell rings. You can't repeat it for people who come in late. And you got to pay attention in my class. And all I heard was, you could tell a joke every day. So I was like, this is awesome. So I, that's where my first stand-up started was in seventh grade. So the bell would ring and I would tell jokes and I would, well, just one actually. I was only able to tell one and then realized that she didn't like cut me off if it was a longer joke. So I ended up getting three joke books. I would stand in front of a full length mirror every night. And instead of doing my studies, I would be working on trying to lay down my act, right? And uh, ended up, she would tell other teachers, and next thing you know, I'm having three classes at a time, I'm telling jokes too. And I did that from seventh grade all through high school. I was dating a girl who was a year older than me. And, um, you know, I was a jock, and she tells me that she's going to be the valedictorian. And I said, what's that? (laughs) That's how dumb as a box of rocks I was. And so she went off to college. I'm in my senior year. I went to visit her one time and I thought, my gosh, this is the life, you know, all this freedom, you know, um, mom and dad aren't watching. I'm going to go to college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, you know, but I just knew I wanted to be in college because that life looked like fun. So, um, I ended up uh, taking a class in my senior year on careers and, and uh, we had to inter- interview somebody that was doing what we wanted to do in life. And I, I decided, you know, well, I'm going to have to find out what that is. So I took this book called Occupational Outlooks. I looked through it and I came across physical therapy. It looked interesting. I went to my local hospital. I interviewed the clinic director there and he said, you know, um, if you want to be a PT, you know, most programs won't accept you unless you have like 200 hours of volunteer experience. And I said, well, can I volunteer here? He goes, yeah. Can I volunteer on Saturdays? He goes, sure. I went home that day and I told my mom and dad I was going to be a physical therapist just like that. Well, I went to Ohio State University and, um, you know, played around for a couple of years. And I go to apply in PT school and one of the 
school counselor people whom I've never met called me and said, look, you're not going to get in. You have a 2.68 grade point average. You know, the average grade point to get in is 3.536. I said, you don't know me. I have 2,000 hours of volunteer and working experience in a PT clinic. She says, yeah, but you don't have the grades. So I hung up on her and I walked down the hall. I was really rattled by it. And the lady came up I was working with and she goes, what's going on? And I told her and she said, well, well, tell me about your study habits. And I said, well, I don't really have any study habits at all, she says. I go, no, I mean, I, I don't have a class before 11. And um, you know, I try to make it so I can um, get out and have a good time in the evening. So she was, well, do you study at all? I go, well, I mean, a little bit. So she says, well, then I guess you're right. You're not going to get in. So it, it, she says, you have three options. You can quit college, get a job. You can change your major like she's suggesting, or you can get your grades up. She goes, how badly do you want to be a physical therapist? I go, I really want to be one. And she goes, well, it only leaves you one option, Sean. So you're going to have to get disciplined like right now. So I went back. I moved out of the dorms. I got myself an efficiency apartment and I worked my tail off. I got my grades up. I added an extra year and I got in. I got in because somebody didn't show up. I was the first name on the alternate list. And one of the you know, people who were accepted went to a different university that left the spot open. And since I was registered for classes already, they picked me. So I just got in off the skin off my teeth. And 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 yet I did well in PT school. I don't want to get it wrong. I mean, I loved it. I did very well. I applied myself. But I knew early on I wanted to go into private practice. I just knew that. So I get out of school and I, I took this job in northern Ohio. And I had this, um, um, you know, my, my, it was a tough job, man. My first day of my PT license, I saw 57 patients and did eight evaluations. People don't believe it, but I did. I mean, I saw, I don't know how well I treated. It was just a crazy, crazy day. And I remember my six-month review, my boss says, you know, Sean, what do you see yourself doing? You know, um, where do you see yourself in the next four or five years? And I said, well, Ron, I wouldn't mind having your job. And he said, well, whoa, whoa, what, what, what do you mean? I go, well, you don't work as hard as I do and you make more money than me. So why in the world wouldn't I not want your job, right? So that didn't go over too well. It's probably not the smartest thing to say when a job review, because um, I ended up working an awful lot of weekends after that, which wasn't fun. Um, but I knew I wanted to go out on my own. I got married and moved down to Cincinnati, Ohio, where my wife was from, and she's also a PT. And I got an opportunity to work in an outpatient practice. It was pretty progressive, and I really enjoyed it. My boss says to me, what is your weakest area of the body? And I said, I don't know, jack all from the wrist, uh, from the elbow down. I, I'm, I know that there's a bunch of bones in the hands, but I don't really know how they work. Ha ha, I do, but didn't really know a lot. And so he says the next day, I need you to deliver 24 hours of, of lecture to PT students at the University of Cincinnati on elbow, wrist, and hand dysfunction. I said, I don't, I don't know anything about this. He goes, well, you will. So I had to study and get all ready and everything else. And apparently I did a good job. So my boss said, you know, Sean, I used to run an orthopedic study group for Southwestern Ohio. And, you know, I was wondering if you'd like to take that on. Um, I just got too busy with the practice to give it, a lot, give it enough attention. And so I was wondering if you would want to take it on. I, I, I kind of went, well, sure. Now, I am a year and two months out of school. So I'm running an orthopedic study group where we would have anywhere between 20 to 40 uh, PTs show up. They would get, it was on Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday, it, it's like every other Tuesday or something like that for two hours. And people would get CEUs and 
And sometimes I taught different things, hilariously, and I would have other people speak. And so it was going like gangbusters, I was promoting it well. Then one day I got a phone call from the director of a hospital network in Cincinnati, Bethesda Hospital Network, and she started asking me questions about, you know, since I ran the orthopedic study group, I must be like really smart in orthopedics. Um, she asked me what kind of equipment that I like, what kind of treatment tables do you like? What kind of modalities do you like? And I'd basically look at the treatment table right next to me and say, I like that one on the phone. I had no experience of one thing to another. And so I gave her a list of things that I thought were good. She called me back and forth over about a two month period. And then about a month or so later, she calls me and says, look, um, I'd like to know if you'd like to come in for an interview for this facility that we built. And I said, well, I mean, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I get to teach at the university and blah, blah, blah. And she says, Sean, we bought everything you wanted. Uh, I don't care who you are. You know, your head's going to swim a little bit, right? So I went, well, I guess I can come in and talk to you. So I went in and I met with this lady and she like looks at me. I was thinner. I had more hair. It wasn't gray. And, you know, she kind of looks at me like, is your daddy out in the waiting room? Because that's who I want to talk to, right? But anyway, I got this job. So they put me on television, radio and print, uh, promoting this new clinic, trying to make it successful. Um, you know, I would sign my name to things the marketing people would write. And I read from a teleprompter. I was a talking head. I was a symbol. Uh, I wasn't actually doing it. I didn't actually create it, but I thought that I did. So one day I met with the senior management and they wanted to see a 20% growth rate for the following year. And I said, you know, guys, it's really impossible to do this. We have therapists with offices and closets. This place is jam packed. They said, well, Sean, we're not planning on adding any more therapists. We just need to hit these numbers. And we were so busy, so incredibly busy. I didn't know what to do. I went back to the clinic. It was about eight o'clock at night and it was a lady doing her notes. One of the therapists that we had um, hired from a physician in practice that the hospital bought. She was a good therapist, um, about 20 years older than me. And um, she says, you look beat. I said, yeah, I know. But can you see 20% more patients? And she goes, it's eight o'clock. I'm doing my notes. Yeah. She goes, what happened? I told her what happened. She goes, what are you going to do? I go, I think I'm going to go into private practice. And she says, well, do you want a partner? And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking I'd do some home health, maybe someday buy a box, stuff patients in it, call it a clinic. And she said, well, you know, my husband is a CPA. And if you don't set up the company correctly, the IRS will shut you down. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, what do you know about QuickBooks? I go, uh, what's QuickBooks? So she said, oh, we have to talk. So that night, um, or a couple nights later, we went out to dinner at an Applebee's with my wife sitting next to me, my future partner across from me, and her husband across from my wife. At one point, her husband said something that she did not want him to say. And she turned her head and yelled at the top of her lungs in his ear, like yelled at him. Everyone in the restaurant was quiet. Everyone in the restaurant was looking over at us. My wife reaches under the table and grabs my thigh. It wasn't one of those good grabs. It was a run for your life grab. We get out to the car. My wife goes, oh my God, she's a nut job. I mean, you, you don't, you can't really do this. Can you do this? I mean, I don't think you should. And I said, well, you heard what they said about QuickBooks, you know? So my wife says, you know, um, look, I'm, I'm really not, um, I'm not okay with this. I'm not, I'm not on board with it. 
And um, look, um, I don't ever want to hear about it because I know this isn't going to work as a partner. And I said, okay. She goes, no, I mean, I never want to hear you talk about things with your partner ever. Okay, so can I do it? She goes, fine. So I went on my own with this lady and we got busy fast because she used to work in a physician-owned practice. She leveraged on those relationships and they just started flowing patients to us. We got so busy, all we could do is like, keep up with the demand that was coming in and, and hire as fast as we could. And we were growing fast. So from a private practice point of view, we were just like crushing it, you know? Um, but it was built on the backs of, you know, five orthopedic doctors. And um, about 68% of our business came from those doctors. As we moved into year two in our private practice, um, I started noticing that she would treat patients twice as long as I did with the same diagnosis. She just never discharged ever. And so I was like secretly discharging her patients from the waiting room. I'd be like, Bob, is your knee bothering you at all? No, I'm doing great. Good. You're doing your exercises? Yeah. You having any problem? No. Do you think you need to keep coming? Because I don't really think so. I go, I'll tell you what, why don't you go on your way and I'll make sure to let her know. And I would tell my partner, I don't know what happened to him. You know, they could, you know, he was just gone because I covertly discharged him. Right. So I thought I was doing the quote ethical thing. Well, the ethical thing would be to confront her fully and talk about it and get it out in the open. But what I was doing instead was not that. So I finally had enough. I finally decided I have to say something to her. And so I said, um, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, um, but you treat patients twice as long as I do with the same diagnosis. So what are you trying to say? Well, either you're not a very good therapist or you're kind of ripping people off. And I think you're a fabulous therapist. And then that became the beginning of World War III. And it took us a, quite a while, <laughs> um, probably eight or nine months, but we split. And when we split, I lost 68% of the business instantly. And so I'm sitting in a 4,000 square foot place. I got very little patient volume. And that was really when I began to realize that um, I guess I really was not a marketing genius. It was really the hospital that was a marketing genius. They knew how to spend their monies wisely to get us busy. And they did. When I lost 68% of the business, when my partner and I split and I would have to go out and knock on the doors, like you probably have had to do one time or another, or maybe you still do, or someone does it for you if you're fortunate. But I had to go out and knock on doors. And as I went around to talk to doctors who I knew when um, I was in practice with my ex-partner that, um, you know, they liked me. So I had to go out and, you know, kind of talk to doctors and, you know, make myself known and, you know, hey, I'm still here, you know, kind of thing. And I went around to some doctors that were referring to me before. So I went doctor I went in to see and I didn't have to wait in the waiting room. Reception said, hey, you can come on right back. And I went back and I said, hello, doctor. It's good to see you. And he goes, hey, Sean, I just want to get this out of the way. What is it? Look, I want you to know that I'm never going to send you a patient for as long as you live. And I, I, I was on my heels. I said, well, what are you talking about? She says, look, I, I met with your ex-partner last week. And she told me that the reason that you two split is that you would treat patients twice as much as she did with the same diagnosis just to make money. I go, oh, oh, doc, that wasn't what happened. That's not true at all. They said, look, you can leave. I'm not referring. So I'll tell you, I don't care who you are. When you get a communication like that, it was a total fabricated lie. I mean, it's a kick in the gut. And it was. It made me fearful. It made me timid about going out and talk to doctors. I'd rather cut my arm off than talk to a physician. I 
did it a few times more. And, and I had two doctors say that to me. And I thought, man, this lady's bad-mouthing me around town and wouldn't let me let go of it. So I'm stressed. My marketing program largely consisted of staring at the telephone, checking it periodically for a dial tone so that if someone really wanted to call me, they could. I was afraid to do anything. I was absolutely paralyzed. I was hoping that someone would just come along and, I don't know, take my practice. I'd give it to them. Miserable. So from feeling that I'm on top of the world to feeling like I'm about to cave completely um, occurred very quickly. So my practice consisted of myself, who wasn't drawing a paycheck, my mother-in-law, who wasn't drawing a paycheck, and my receptionist, who read magazines pretty much full-time. She was very good at reading magazines. Most people can only read one at a time. She could do three, so hardly a marketable skill, but that's who I had. She was the only paid staff member. So one day I got a phone call, and I answered it probably because my receptionist was busy reading magazines. But I answered that call and I got invited to a seminar on practice management. Figured, what the hell? Why not go? It was like $199. It was like from six to nine. And I knew it was probably going to be a sales thing or something, but maybe I'll walk away with some tidbits I can use. So I went with my wife and we went to this this seminar and there were 40 different businesses there. There were physical therapists, private practice. There were chiropractors and dentists and CPAs all in a room. And we all filled out information about ourselves, um, about our practice. And, you know, I wrote that I had 26 competing practices within a three mile radius with 14 on the same street within the same three miles with three of them. I could hit with a three wood if I knew how to drive the balls in some way. You know, I, I was pretty much playing that violin of I'm a total failure and here's my reasons why. But nevertheless, uh, we, we went to this workshop. They let us in. We're sitting there. We're about 15 minutes, maybe maybe even less than that, maybe more like five minutes into the seminar. And my wife looks at me and I looked at her and we nodded our heads. And that nod meant that we both knew that we were the biggest losers in the room. So when the event was over, I was eager. I wanted to talk to somebody. I really wanted help. And so a guy walked up to me, who was the same guy who gave us our name badge, and started walking at us while he's shaking our hand. And the next thing you know, Uh, We're out in the hallway in the seminar space and he wishes us well. And then he closes the door behind him with 39 other practices inside the room. My wife starts walking towards the car. I, I grab her arm. I like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to the car. I want to talk to these guys. She goes, honey, we just got broomed. I mean, we're out in the hallway. They don't want to talk to us. I go, I'm going back in. So I went back in. I talked to the guy who gave me the name tag. I said, is it possible I can talk to someone? He says, about what? I said, about my practice, man, I'm dying. He goes, "Um, can you step back outside? I'll come back out in a second. So we're pacing the hallway outside of the seminar space, like expectant parents. And then he comes out and he says, could you come back tomorrow at three o'clock? Yeah. We came back the next day at three o'clock. We sat down with this guy who's a consultant and He's talking to us about, you know, their program and how they can help me and make me a better business owner. And, but the first conversation and where it started was, why aren't you successful? And I went, well, what? He goes, why aren't you successful? 
I didn't know how to answer. I thought maybe it was just a question you're going to just shrug with. So I shrugged. And he goes, no, really. I mean, why aren't you successful? And I said, well, okay, I'll tell you why I'm not successful. And I got really kind of pissed. I said, look, you know, I, um, I, I'm on this, there's 26 competing practices within three miles of me. There are three hospitals within three miles of me. There are 14 clinics within the same three miles on the same street. I, I have so much competition, you know, and, and I have an ex-partner who's bad-mouthing me all over town. And even though I'm in the same physical location, I have insurance plans I can't get on. And I, once I started you know, winding down on my short little violin I was playing, the consultant just looks me in the eye and says, look, I'm going to tell you something. You may not want to hear it, but your success or failure in your life or your business is your own doing. And as soon as you really understand that, you'll be on your way out of it. And I remember leaning back in the chair along with my wife leaning back as well. And we both said, wow, independently, <laughs> wow. And he said, look, are you good at what you do? Are you a good clinician? I said, yeah. He goes, why are you a good clinician? I said, well, I, I've got like, I go to eight continuing ed courses a year. I, I, I've got advanced degrees, you know, I'm, you know, I'm well-trained. He goes, great. How much management training do you have? And I said, well, I, I have been to a Blue Cross and Blue Shield coding conference once. He goes, great. Well, would it make sense to you, Sean, if you knew how to run your business with the same professionalism as you know how to treat a patient, would you be more successful? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I surely would. He goes, okay, that's really what we're talking about here. You know, I'll never talk to you about how to best treat a patient. I'm not even interested. Yeah, I'll, I'll act like I am but I'm really not. I'm really interested in helping you grow your business so you're no longer a slave to it and so that it can take care of you and your family and give you the freedom to do what you want. Would you be interested in that? I said, yeah, I'd be interested in that help. At that point, he put a contract out in front of me. And, you know, I had to remind him that I wasn't getting paid. He goes, I, I understand, Sean, but, you know, this is a lot that we'll be doing with you and this is how much it costs. And my wife goes, you know, maybe mom and dad can help us out. I said, your, your mom's worked for me, for me for a year without a paycheck. I can't ask your mom for money. And she said, well, you know, I can. And so I, I didn't know what to do, right? But she asked her parents if they would pay, and they did. So, of course, I paid her back her back pay. I paid her back for the training. I bought them a car, sent them on a trip. You know, it's like I, I think I paid back what I, the debt I was owed. And I just want to, as a side, throw this out there is every once in a while we run across somebody in our lives and somebody who makes such a meaningful impact on our lives. And we don't really pay attention to that because it's very easy for us to look at the people who wronged us, the, 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 the people who lied to us, mistreated us or whatever. But sometimes it's worthwhile just to step back and acknowledge who helped make you into who you are today. And one person or two people that have made the, probably the biggest impact in my lives have been my in, my in-laws. They believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And and that boost really got me to kind of where I am today. And so I I, I did this training and I, I thought, you know, my in-laws have paid for this training. I better take it seriously. Not like, oh, that's interesting. I'll take that under advisement. I'll try that. And, you know, I'll throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. I would like held it like at the gospel, right? It's like, okay, she said to do this. I go, okay. 
I had this consultant, she was this Israeli lady. She was a very sweet lady, but I was absolutely terrified of her. And she'd say, look, if you're on step nine of that program, by next week, I swear I'm going to kick your ass, Sean. This is not okay. And I'd be on step nine of that program by the next hour, right? Um, I really just rolled up my sleeve. And I remember my consultant saying, look, Sean, if you just do what we tell you to do and work with us, you know, be willing to work with us and just follow along and get with the program, even though at times you might think that it doesn't make sense, but if you just trust me and just do what we're asking you to do, um, at the end of a, 18 months to a year, two, two years, you know, you can treat patients as much as you want because you're going to be on top of the organization. It's going to be growing, expanding. You'll have other people working for you and you'll be able to create the practice of your dreams. Do you really want to treat patients from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m.? I don't know. How many hours of patient care would you deliver if you actually had all your other worries solved? I said, probably two a day. And that's ultimately what I did was two hours of patient care a day. It didn't happen overnight. It took a little while, but that was the intention. Put more effort and energy into managing the practice because no one's going to manage it but you. So um, you can turn around and no one's, none of your other staff, any staff is going to run your practice. It's your job. Until you can get to a point where you can make it their job, but it has to be your job first. You know, it's a balancing act. You know, it's not all work. You know, you have to go through the actions that it takes to get to where you want to go. You know, uh, you know, I worked, end up working about 18 hours a week. Uh, you don't have to work 18 hours a week if you don't want to. You can work 40, you can work 80 hours a week and work as much as you want. But the, the thing is, if we, you know, the, the adage of works hard, uh, smarter, not harder and all that kind of stuff. I mean, some of it's true and some, but sometimes working smarter is hard work also. So, you know, we have to roll up our sleeves and get a few things done. But for me, what happened is I started to kind of share these successful actions with, um, Patients who own businesses and sneaking out in the afternoon and helping these patients own businesses decided that I was going to sell my practice and and did so and then started a consulting firm. We started uh, training private practice owners and what I had learned and, and learned how to apply in my own practice and and actually stayed true to the profession of outpatient physical therapy, yeah, occupational therapy, right as well. And we just really enjoyed that. But I did that for almost twenty years and then I got lured away with a private equity firm that you know, promised a lot of blue skies and said, you know, we'd really love you and we think you'd be great for our team. And I ended up being their first employee. And we ended up growing uh, the, com- the company to 187 locations in about 15 months. And, you know, I was the VP of operations and, you know, sounds really good. I, I learned a tremendous amount. One of the things I learned that was so great is that we had one EMR that I had access to and I could aggregate data and really find out what works, what doesn't work between facilities. I can tell who's a good therapist and bad therapist just by looking at their coding alone. I could see where, how much money they were losing in certain areas of the practice. I learned a lot to be truthful, but what I really missed was the knee to knee working with practice owners. So I decided in July of 2019 that I didn't want to work with that company anymore. And I wanted to get back and work with private practice owners once again. So my company is called PT Practice Success. We're interested in in creating exactly that, PT Practice Success. Whatever that means for you. You know, if it's multi-clinics, great. If it's, uh, you know, one solid clinic that pays the bills and allows you some freedom, that's good too. If you want to transition your practice into a position where you can sell it someday, you got it. I know how to do that. Um, how How to make my practice more valuable. And so that when I do sell, I don't have to stay a long time or maybe not at all because I've transitioned other people to take lead roles. So whatever your goals are, will become our goals. 
And then we'll work out a strategy in order to achieve that. One of the very first areas that we look at when we work with a client is marketing. You know, most of, most of us, and even myself at times, will consider, you know, if you just have enough business, all your other blemishes can be hidden. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, if, if you, you know, had somebody backing the bus up and you, know, you had masses of asses coming into your practice to be treated, then, you know, I'd say, you know, you're probably going to be okay, even though maybe you don't build properly or um, you get people to get to keep an appointment, but, the, you know, the, the, um, the inn is still full. But there's a lot of lost revenue there. And one of the very first things that I tackle in any new client is where are you losing money that we can make you money today? Where are your weaknesses? You know, everyone thinks it's marketing. And oftentimes it is. But it ain't the only thing. A practice that has all the other points in that tracks lost income will be a very profitable practice. And somehow, even when they do those things, their new patient levels rise. So what I'd like to share with you is like in terms of working with me in the past, it was much easier. Um, people would just um, call my company. We had one time we had up to 52 staff um, and you'd sign up for a, a service, some kind of a marketing service. And then you would come and you'd get that service and work with one, some of my other consultants. This time around, no, I don't have that. Right now I have a very small staff, five, six people. Probably by the time you hear this, it might be more. And um, I'm very, very needy involved with my clients, whereas before I wasn't as much because I had other people who did that for me. But at this particular point, after leaving private equity and going out on my own, I really had the good fortune of figuring out what I liked about what I was doing before in consulting and what I'd like to change. And deep down, I'm a consultant. Deep down, I like to work with people. Deep down, I like to see the changes, not just have... Other people create them. I like to help create them. So um, that's a little bit of my story. Uh, that's why usually in most situations when it comes to you know hearing something about a service or something like that, why I would like to talk to you next. That's why I don't generally just say, here's a sign-up form, sign up. You can buy this service and come on down and spend time in my office and time with me. Because you know, to me, I think it's got to be a click. You know, I, my, my closest friends are physical therapists. Um, and, um, I've worked with people for 15, close to 20 years who continue to stay with me because they know that deep down I'm going to do the right thing to help them, but, but I'm also their friend. So sometimes they just call me with like friend advice, um, both ways me to them as well. But, um, I want to let you know a little bit about me and maybe this is a waste of your time. Hopefully it, it's something I've said that has a little bit more appeal, but I'll tell you, life is a balancing act. It's not all work, you know, and you have to um, look at if you just like, instead of dabbling with this or dabbling that or doing a webinar or whatever, but rolled up your sleeves and becomes a, become a trained executive. It's, there's a difference between a, an executive or someone that's getting management training via Zoom or someone's actually studying, drilling, doing practical assignments, you know, being accountable for its implementation and, and demonstrating that things are being implemented in your practice. And then managing by statistics so we can see progress and change. That those separate the peeps from the sheep, as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, I uh, wish you well. And if if you like, make an appointment. Happy to talk to you. You know, there's no obligation. This is, you know, I my my thing is if I don't help you then you'll never be my client. So I have to help you first. 
So if there's something that you think you might be helped by, by talking to me, go ahead, make an appointment. I don't bite. And if we're a good fit, that'd be great. And if it's not a good fit, I know you won't waste your time because I'll always help you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging in there and catching this particular podcast. I hope you got some things out of this that you can apply to your practice. Here's what I'd like you to do next. I'd like you to go to ptpracticesuccess.com. If what I've been saying to you in these podcasts have been resonating with you and you would like to know me better, if you would like to just have my ear, throw out some things that are concerning you and perhaps get some advice that could help you make an appointment. I will tell you it's the number one way in which I do get new clients, but I won't waste your time. I will help you regardless of whether we ever work together or not. So go to ptpracticesuccess.com and let's set up a time to chat. If you like what you heard today, consider our coaching program. Go to ptpracticesuccess.com and click on the link at the top of the page.